How's everyone doing? I'm Chris Lopez, your union brother on TikTok, Instagram, all the platforms. And welcome to another episode of Union or Bust. And, uh, you know, when you uh, mix high octane energy drinks and organizing, you do get organizing monster. Cool. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is a special episode for us uh, where we'll be covering Encore, Encore Global. The, um, but here we brought on some special guests. And I want to first introduce Rudy Lambaria. Rudy Lambaria works with us. He's a field rep. He worked for Encore. Uh, then when we organized and we got a contract, we brought him in to represent the Encore unit. So, Rudy, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. It's a great, great day. You know, the podcast, you know, is, is doing really well. You know, I'm glad to be a part of it and you're bringing us on. So, so thank you for that. Well, we are the hottest labor podcast in San Diego. Definitely. Definitely. That's yeah. a true statement. I, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. So, who do we got here, Rudy? We got some of your comrades here from the Encore So, we unit. have uh, Mr. Jordan Sullivan right here, and we have Julian Wilson. Howdy, howdy. What was I supposed to say? Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like howdy. Yeah. Howdy. Yeah. So, let's just uh, dive into it real quick. Uh, most people probably don't know who or what. 122 is what we do. What is a stagehand? So, what's a stagehand? I mean, a stagehand, you know, we, someone behind the scenes at the concert, at the theaters, at the trade shows, uh, corporate AV, uh, audiovisual. Um, so, we're, we're the hands that do the work. The, the, you see the shows pop up? Well, they didn't get there miraculously. You know, we, we, we build them, we tear them down, we service the clients. And then we go home. You know, I was watching the, the Super Bowl uh, the other day, and, uh, you know, we kind of take it for granted sometimes. I mean, all the, the, the we see the stars going on there, but you guys do a lot of work behind the scenes that no one ever gets to see. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, production, you know, we're the ones, you know, miking up the, the keynote speakers, you know, setting up the, the microphones at the Oscars. I mean, you know, we, we do it all. And, and now we're, we're in the hotels here in San Diego, you know, miking up CEOs, you know, doing the lights, you know, building the projector screens and running the power. I mean, we do it all. It's, it's a really complex job. Operating the shows as well. Yep. What kind of shows? Oh, I said we're operating the shows as well. Mm. So like running the sound, running the video, uh, operating lights, all, all that right. kind of stuff. What do you do, Julian? Uh, well, I'm, I'm generally uh, doing uh, audio board operations, setting, kind of running and organizing the the labor at my hotel, uh, just so that we have uh, everyone on the same page. Right. Which hotel is that? Uh, that's the Westin Bayview. Nice. How Not, long have you been there? <laughs> uh, about a year now, as long as uh, Encore has had a contract with that hotel. Nice. Now, you recently organized, right? Uh, we did. I unfortunately missed the initial organization, but I believe Jordan was there for most of it. Uh, I mean, a lot of that happened behind the scenes. I was barely involved with the initial organization, but, you know, I'm, I'm here for the new contract all in. Um, but there's there's a lot that happened in between then and today. And, you know, it wasn't until I started going to these mandatory trainings, which is basically just union busting, you know, mm. oh, here's, you know. <laughs> Here's what everybody lost when they got organized, not ever, not ever showing, of course, what happened for the employees, only what happened for the company. So, you know, I got managers coming in on video chats like, oh, nothing's ever changed for us. There's no reason for you to organize things like that. A lot of a lot of classic, a lot of union busting, a lot of you don't need to union and all that sort of stuff. So that's really my only experience in terms of organizing the previous time because it was, you know, Rudy and some of my other colleagues. So I'd. I was I reaped the benefits, but I wasn't really part of the, the movement at that time. Now, who owns uh, Encore? Uh, well, right now it's owned by Blackstone. They're you know a huge conglomerate. They own pretty much everybody. Um, they're everywhere. They're <laughs> everywhere. Um, it started back when I started. I was working for a company called Presentation Services, and at that time, you know, they were a big company. They started buying up other AV companies, so they bought up. At the time, there was a company called AVHQ. The big merger at that time was AVHQ and PSAV, so they became Audiovisual Services Corporation. And so then they started buying all the other competition. They started buying Swank. Now they bought Encore. So they're going around there. Basically, that's what they do at this point is they, they buy the competition, and they kind of turn themselves into a monopoly at some point. Now, how big is Encore? 
<laughs> Who knows? I would say like um, they're about over 60% of the audiovisual market in the world. So they're kind of like like the Walmart of... I'd, I'd say they're more like the McDonald's of AV. McDonald's? Especially, mm-hmm. especially when you get into things like sales and, uh, you know, putting orders together. There, there's, from the perspective of a technician, there's not a whole lot of like, well, this doesn't make sense is what we look at. It's like our salespeople, rather than actually make a sale and see what the customers need, they just take their order down. Oh, this is what, okay. And then we come in and we go, well, this doesn't make sense because, you know, a lot of times it just seems like management does whatever they want and they don't really consider how the show actually needs to get done. Right. So that's that's a huge problem. Right. So I want to touch up on we kind of brought up the organizing drive, the first one. Um, many people don't go through an organizing drive in their lives. Uh, only 10% of Americans' workers are in the union. And less than that go actually through an organizing drive. Organizing is very rare. Maybe now it's not as rare as a as it was five years ago, but mm-hmm. because of all the organizing that's been going on across the country with UAW, the Teamsters, the flight attendants, everybody's organizing mm-hmm. right now. But the first time with Encore, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's draw some like historical context to what, what is Encore, where they come from. Uh, you mentioned Swank, PSAV, yes, sir. but uh, I believe there was a merger between PSAV and Encore. You guys initially worked for PSAV. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so... Encore used to be owned by Freeman. So Freeman, okay. they're, they're a big AV company. They do a lot of corporate stuff. Um, they've got all kinds of divisions. They've got you know trade show divisions. They do you know um, exhibits, booths, all sorts of stuff. But they also have an AV division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Encore was their in-house division. So PSAV naturally bought them up to get their share of that stake. And when you're saying, where is Encore? Where are they located? If you name the hotel in America, chances are it's going to be an Encore property. Wow. Their their market share is it's pretty huge. So at some point, they bought up that competition. Encore, Freeman was their, their uh, competition. So naturally, they're going to buy them out. So then at that point, this is uh, right around the time that we were organizing, right. um, the summer of around uh, 2021. They took that name, naturally, because over the years, PSAV has kind of gotten a reputation of being ruthless, you know, just not a very good company to, to have to work for. You know, people, I would hear people hate PSAV. Um, PSAV is a monopoly, like all this sort of stuff. So naturally, if PSAV is going to buy their competition, they're going to take their competition's name. So now, you know, newer companies, newer clients, they may not know that it's the same company. And it's a, it's a good way for them to kind of dig in there and do the same stuff, but under a different guise. Right. Yeah. For, yeah. Go for it, Julia. Yeah. So Encore is actually <clears throat> has an effort right now to uh, remove PSAV from all of their gear mm-hmm. uh, to further distance themselves from that name. Now, right. just because you know, I you know, I'm not a stagehand or anything. So, but Blackstone owns everything. Seemingly, right? seemingly they, they own so mm-hmm. much stuff. Yeah. So they're, they're basically just a. Um, they're an investment company, I think. So like they, a, they just they just buy companies and sell companies. Is it a, so they own Buying real estate too? Yeah. Also, right? Yep. Because I, I remember you talking about an article last year where they were buying up San Diego homes and jacking up the rents. Mm-hmm. So well, they also own some of the properties that Encore AV operates in, right? Some of the hotels. Mm. Yeah, like the Hotel Dell. Like the Hotel Dell, for example. So not only do they own the, as well. the, the AV company, but they own the hotel that the AV company operates in. Yep. But, uh, but Rudy, let's bring you in real quick. The first organizing drive, why did it happen? This was the second city in the U.S. to, to get a contract. Why did you all decide to organize back in, let's say, 2019? That's when I, got, I uh, took part in it. First, I would speak on, like what my personal reason yeah, was. Yeah, 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 you. And, you know, I was working at the Sheraton uh, San Diego Hotel and Marina right by the airport. So, to first of, first off, that location is very iconic. That's where uh, they had um, IBM come and do their first conventions. You know, Bill Gates, you know, people like that, you know, would come to the Sheraton and they wanted to come to San Diego to do their events, right? So, you know, the, the tourism market, you know, was born, you know, in San Diego, you know, hotels, conventions, right? And so for for me working there, there's a lot of pride, right? There's a lot of pride working at that location. 
and, you know, being the audiovisual group, you know, servicing these big groups like IBM, like, you know, that's just, that's a big name. And, you know, so you go into a place that you do a killer job all the time. You know, you're, you're, you set up everything perfectly and, and you're, I mean, you're working really hard, right? You, you working at a high level professional job, right? And it's like, whoa, you know, I want to stay here. I, I want to be here long term, but at the wages that we were hired on, it, it's 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 not there. It's it wasn't feasible, right? With the cost of living here, mm-hmm. and and you know, uh, it, it was just I wanted to be there, but and the company, first of all, uh, they were an at will, right? So if they wanted to terminate you or get rid of you, I mean, you're you're out, right? Yeah. So there's two big things. So preserving our position at that location long term, like like a like a career, not just some random job. And then getting paid a decent wage, you know, uh, a fair wage. Uh, and we weren't getting that. But yet we're doing this work that we take a lot of pride in. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, that was the two main things. I wanted to be there until I retire. And I wanted to make more money to support my family. Right. Bottom line. So um, like making this job into a career, that was your goal. Yeah. Yeah. And what it was, it wasn't that. It wasn't a career before we organized, or it 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 it's what they like to make it appear, right on paper, you know. And they tell you, you know, this is a great place to work, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know. But it, yeah, it's it's a great place to work, but for how long? Well, people are having trouble paying their rent, paying their bills. Um, you know, I mean, great place to work should be a living wage. Yeah, and and you know you coming in like I got, I went to got a bachelor's degree in audio production, right? And they hired me at fourteen, right? And I just needed a job. When I was wanted that? to come in. This was what? in twenty fifteen. Okay. And um, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm doing floor work, I'm doing this, but since I had those skills, I was operating, you know, in the first few months of working there, right? And I did that for like two years before I knew that you know, other. Uh, other operators and other people are making at least 15 more dollars than me mm-hmm. for doing the same thing. $15 more per hour. Per hour. Wow. So what other operators? What do you mean? Like, you know, like freelancers that they would bring in. What's uh, a freelancer? It, it's somebody that works. Those of us that don't know. So a freelancer is somebody that the company uh, subcontracts uh, to do a job that they could have had one of us do, but they, they come in just for, you know, maybe a, a three day show call. And they get the job done, and then PSAV at the time was bringing in freelancers. Yeah, occasionally. Yep, they could do it. They could do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. They, we so didn't. they could afford to pay the freelancers, but they're not paying you the same rate. Exactly, exactly. And that's how you know. Uh, uh, apart from freelancers, they would bring in uh, the union. They would bring in IATSE mm-hmm. yeah. to come in on and and do the jobs as well and that's how i was introduced yeah. to the union and real quick um when you mean that we have a couple contracts with encore we have the overhire agreement which is the one that you're talking about we've mm-hmm. had that for a while and that's when encore has jobs and then if they need extra labor they call the hall 122 and we'd send extra um labor basically that's the overhire agreement that you're talking about yep okay cool uh but then the in-house agreement is the one that you all work under yes sir right. yeah okay and uh when you when we organized the first time um i know jordan you were there uh you were there during the through the whole process and i know we started organizing in 2019 from what i know because i came into the union in 2019 here as the organizer this was a third attempt at um, trying to organize PSAV at the time, mm-hmm. and there was momentum back then, but it just didn't really. Come yeah, about. I was. I didn't even know about the other attempts. Oh wow! Um, like I said, a lot of that was done behind the scenes. Like yeah. I wasn't involved in any of that. And actually, I spent a good amount of time as management. Like like um, Rudy's saying, they try to make you feel like it's a career, um, and really it's. It's not. They, they they tell you it's a career, but they treat you like it's a job. Like he's saying, a, a working wage, a good wage, like that's not really a thing. Working conditions, hours, it's basically like if you really want to make some money, 
you got to take these these jobs you got to take these overtime positions work as many days and hours as you can just to make a good amount the way it was structured when i was coming up was you work your way up into a management position and and that's what you do like we don't they have kind of made a path where you can make some career choices as an operator as a specialist but the way it used to be was you are a tech or you are management Mm. um so that was the path i took for a while so a lot of that organizing was done or attempting while i was in management so of course i'm not going to be involved in anything like that right i realized that management wasn't for me so i took a step down and Really, that's probably one of the best decisions I've made career-wise was taking a step down and being a technician. It's much better quality of life, mm-hmm. um, except for pay, obviously. Now, you've been a- around a-, a little while. I mean, just I'm looking at my – I mean, I know how much gray hair <laughs> yeah, I have, I, but I you've been a, around a little while. a lot less gray hair, yeah. <laughs> um, I that's started from Encore. That's that's from management. <laughs> I actually, some of it is. Some of it's children. Um, I, I actually started going gray when I was 19, but oh. um, that's, that's sort of relevant. Um, I started with the company in August of 2005, so wow. it's going to be 19 years this summer. So I've, I've been around for a bit. Um, and like I said, I started at the height as a regular technician, um, worked my way up became a supervisor, became management, you know, I bounced around management, a couple of hotels, um, wound up at the convention center. And uh, during my time at the convention center was kind of where I started to realize, you know what, management just isn't for me. Speaking of the convention center, uh, so PSAV used to be in the convention center. Yeah, so we were, we were in-house from 13 to 18. 2013 um, and 2018. In 18, we went in for contract negotiations. The convention center selected PSAV as their on, you know, to continue a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, during those negotiations, they came forward, said, you know, because of the Port Authority, this is a union hotel, or not hotel, union building. Mm-hmm. You know, we want everybody to be union. We know that you're not a union uh, represented company, but we want you to sign what they called a neutrality agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, neut- neutrality agreement basically is like we we agree that if the union comes in and wants to talk to our employees and jumping back a little bit, most of the labor that we used there was was IATSE 122. Right. It was union. Um, and the agreement that we had was, you know, unless you were using your full time employees, everybody you brought in was a union. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to speak ill of some of our local PSAV people, but really I was getting much better work just using straight IATSE. We get work done more efficiently, more quickly, higher quality people just going through the hall. So our our techs are more like a a lead tech. So they would, you know, we'd we'd plan it out, they'd take the crew, we'd meet with the crew, we'd go through, you know, how the event's gonna go, and then our techs would just take it with the hall and run. Mm-hmm. So at that point, like it wasn't why shouldn't our guys be union, right? right? It wasn't my decision to make, so I couldn't really tell them. But when the convention center came in, they wanted to sign this neutrality agreement. Our company, in the middle of negotiations, said, no, we're not going to do that. What a neutrality agreement would have been was if the union comes in, they want to talk to our employees about organizing. Us, as, as the employer, could not say yes or no either way. Mm-hmm. We had had to say, you know, we couldn't tell you mm-hmm. if we thought it was good, if we thought it was bad. It's up to the employees. It's up to the employees. Yeah. So what's the big deal of being neutral in that agreement? (laughs) Well, our company, because they didn't want to have any say with the union, they said nope, and they pulled out a contract negotiation. So we were out, you know. So so you guys were out of the convention center? We were out of the convention center in April of 18. You lost work just because the company didn't want an opinion? Well, so so the company that came in, it's it's a company called On On Services. Well, it's On Site. It's On Services. It's owned by another company called GES. They're similar to Freeman. They do exhibits, AV, that sort of stuff. So now it's a company called On Site. So what On Site did was they hired my technicians as their technicians. So they all stayed on to work there. Wow. Um, It was at that point where good old PSAV, they always guaranteed that they would find you a place to work. Several months into this transition, I hadn't heard a thing. And so I called up my RVP and I said, you know what? I'm over being management anyway. I'd rather just go back to being a technician. And of course, he's trying to talk me out of that as well. Like, oh, you know, you're going to be hourly, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, from my point of view, like I was working nearly every day, 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. 
I had no technicians, you know, um, our general manager had been ousted. So basically it was just me and like one salesperson running the entire hotel or the entire Sheesh. building. And for some of you who don't know, uh, I can't do that kind of math off the top of my head, but it's, a, it's the building itself is about a half a mile from side to side. Mm-hmm. Plus the exhibit hall, there's two, two large ballrooms, all the meeting space. It's a big place for one person. So at mm-hmm. that point I'm like, why, why would I want to continue to do this? Right. So I, I told my RVP, like, I'd rather be a technician. So he's trying to talk me out. And I said, so I'll be paying hourly. I'm getting overtime. So <laughs> where's the downside of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on services came in, they signed a neutrality agreement yeah. with the convention center because they said, yeah, sure. We'll fucking yeah. sign a neutrality agreement. And PSAV walked away. They're like, no, nah, we're not going to sign the neutrality yep. agreement. So they bounced. And then that's what he's talking about. So getting another how, how's that working wow. for PSAV now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I'm wondering how the your like fellow technicians, coworkers mm-hmm. reacted to that, to the neutrality agreement. Yeah, do you think that was like a catalyst for like organizing down the road? Good question. Um, that I can't answer to because I, I'd never heard anything from the other technicians, but it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that once the other guys joined up with on services, they organized right away because mm-hmm. why not? We got a contract pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. And it was a pretty good contract. And, and they're they're getting paid what they should be getting paid. Right, nice. right. Okay. Nice. Then from there, I'm just, I'm I'm just backtracking just so we can get context of mm-hmm. Encore, PSAV, the union. So then a few years later, uh, on service or on services went in. They became union. PSAV was in the hotels um, only. And then after that, 2019, 2020, we started organizing again. And then uh, that's where Rudy came in the picture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and then we filed. Remember, yeah. we filed for a union election. It was like we decided to file March 1st. I remember that because that was my mom's birthday. <laughs> and, we, and we were out. It was a Sunday. And we were out eating uh, lunch for her birthday. But we had set our, meet, our last organizing committee meeting that day to make the decision if we're going to file or not the following day, which would have been March 2nd, Monday. And yeah, we met up and everybody agreed. And then we just filed the following day. We're like, okay, this is awesome. Do you, uh, do you remember how you felt that day when we, when you all decided to file together as an organizing committee? Like, okay, now all the hard work is right here, got bottled up. And then now the decision to really hit the floor running. How, how did it feel? I, I felt, it felt like an astronaut. Like, you know, like Buzz Aldrin, you mm-hmm. know, one s- small step. Obviously, I don't know my history. Like here. But <laughs> was an th- thanks for, thanks for uh, correcting yeah, me welcome. on that. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, but I felt like that. I felt like, you know, we um, were taking a, a small step, but in a the the future, though, it was going to pan out for us, right? Like, I was just like, whoa, we're doing something historic, right? Yeah. We're, we're breaking new ground. Right. Like and because really the, from 2017, I would say until that moment, we, there was a grassroots movement yeah. in the company. And, um, you know, and me working as a specialist, I was at every property. I got to know people. And, and my big thing, you know, I lived out these core values that um, that Encore had and it was value people. So for me, like I always just wanted to go in there and have fun doing my job and get to know people. And, you know, it wasn't just a. You know, it just wasn't grunt work. It was a way for me to hang out with my buds, you know, yeah. hang out with other stagehands and, you know, from the overhire that were helping all the in-house crew. And it was just like we took pride in our work. Right. And it was just like, hey, we're going to get it done. You know, flawless performance. You know, that was the encore thing. And I really lived and died by that because I was like, dude, we're the best. You know, like people in our industry, people in IATSE, you know, I realized, like, I want to be that have that standard, you know, that that high quality being the best, right? Love what you do. You know, this was it for me. I, we knew that a lot of guys in, in the grassroots movement knew this was it for them, right? But Encore, that's not what they do. They have this turn and burn mm-hmm. philosophy, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So, so, so for us, we, we needed to change that, right? So in those two years, everyone's always talking like, hey, you know, when, when we get that opportunity, you know, you know and, and the, the guys from the hall would say, hey, are you represented? You know, asking these small questions, but those questions went a long way, right? And then, you know, we got guys from from the Marriott downtown coming to the Sheridan, and we were just all linked because everybody 
we get transferred out to work different shows. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all that was just happening organically, right? And then it took, like, you know, what happened at the convention center, you know, Encore just not willing to, you know, do the right thing, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I think that would have well, been the right that, thing That's to do. also one of their core values is do the right thing along with value people. <laughs> Um, and like you say, you, you work at other hotels and that was, that was kind of their mentality was like, you work here, your home location. So right now I'm, I'm steward at the Marriott. So I'm, I'm the shop steward at the, at the Marriott and that's my home, pro my home property. But when I started at the Hyatt, the mentality was, this is your home property, but you work everywhere. So you name the hotel in San Diego, chances are I've worked there at least one shift because that's their mentality is rather than treating us like employees, they treat us like gear. And that was one of the biggest things for me was I'm tired of being treated like a piece of gear. Like there's, there's an open shift. You're going to work there today because you're on the shelf, you're available. And you know, myself, other, other employees, that's the way we feel is we're people. We're not gear. We're not just here to serve you. We're it's, it's our livelihood. It's our jobs, but it's not just a job. It's what we do. But like you're saying, value people. It's not really valuing us. If it's like, Oh, you're at the Sheridan tomorrow. Oh, and then you're at La Costa and you're, you spend more of your time figuring out where you're going to work, how to get there, than mm -hmm. you do actually enjoying what you're doing sometimes. Right. Okay. So, and then we filed, and then you explain how it felt. But, but Jordan, how did when you heard that we filed? How did you feel? Since I mean, you know what I mean. Like it's, you were part of like. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because like I've been working for so long. Yeah. Even I mean, I've been working with people from the hall, and so like I. A lot of people know me already. So mm -hmm. a lot of times I've even got people like, hey, when are you going to join up? Where are you going to come with us? Like, right. And I was always in a spot where it's like, you know, I'm getting work. I'm, I'm doing okay, especially as management, where it's like it would be kind of weird for me to be manager for this company and working union. At the so at the time I was like, oh, you know, and I, I could have made that jump, but then, you know, it would be like starting back at the beginning. Hmm. That's great. I could mm -hmm. I could work for the hall and get work, but then I have to – build my reputation back up. So this is funny because right about the time that we stopped, we lost work. Right. Um, we went furlough was right about the time that the organizing came about. Right. So at that time it was like, Oh great. Now I have an in, I can, I can get into the union and still have that reputation and still be well known. So it was, you know, basically the in I was looking for and it was pretty much the perfect time at that point. So, yeah. You know, as soon as I, you know, it's, it's, you know, then they started bringing us into the, like I said, the union busting trainings. I use training <laughs> with quotation marks because right. it was no way training. It was, you know, they say we just want to educate you, but it was definitely, it was yeah. class, classic union busting. We, we, yeah, we call them captive audience meetings. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Because they pay you, you're on the clock, so you have to, yep. uh, you have to participate in them. So uh, just for the sake of the timeline, so we filed and that, which was in March and then yep. 2020. And then that's what happened, the pandemic right yep. after that. So it was crazy how we were all excited that one Sunday. We're like, we're going to file. We're going to kill it. We're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And then like just a couple weeks later, it's like, oh, California shuts down. Yep. And I mean, because corporate meetings and events aren't exactly a necessary business, um, Right. We were one of the first ones to, to go lose mm -hmm. our jobs. So, you know, I, I saw it coming. So I had already filed for unemployment knowing like, you know, this is going to happen. So it right at that time was right when it happened. So then it's mm -hmm. like, not only are they having these captive audience meetings, but that was like the only hourly pay we were getting at that point. Right. So it was actually at one of those where the person, at, one of the people at our location, um, Tio at Figueroa was like, Hey, you want to sign an organizing card? Heck yeah. I'll do it right now. Right. So, and then, you know, and then we get back to the whole valuing people part of the Encore PSAV company values, they call it. And, you know, there was, there was a talk when we, when companies go to the NLRB or the National Labor Relations Board, if, mm -hmm. for those of us who don't know, um, when we filed for that, it was, you know, when you, when you vote for a union, you go to a neutral location, somewhere that's not a union place somewhere that's not a you know company owned place so that there's no kind of electioneering like trying to take people and mm -hmm. and sway them and at that point because it was a pandemic yeah. us workers are like i don't want to have to go somewhere put myself at risk i want to vote 
but I want to be safe about it. Our company was like, no, well, we'll do it at our our local branch office, yeah, I remember which that. is a very hostile place to come vote. So it was a mm-hmm. big push for us to yeah. be able to say, no, we want to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. So, and so there was a fight with that yeah. just to be able to vote by mail. Yeah. So this is, wow. during co- this is during COVID. Yes, yeah. So people yeah. are dying and risking their They still want you to go in person. Correct. And, and risk your life. I remember we had, when we were going back and forth, when we filed, we had to argue that. Yeah. And that right. was that was definitely one of the biggest things was like, not only are you trying to dissuade us from doing this, now you want us to put ourselves and our, our families and friends at risk by going out in public to some company-owned location when to, to vote to vote on something. Mm-hmm. So once that, I mean, I was pretty much convinced anyway, but that was definitely the tipping point was like, you don't care about us at all. Right. You don't, you don't care if we starve or die if we starve or die or show up or what yeah well, just to, order to, some new gear and on top of that they they paid this company union bur- uh, busting firm over four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to union bust us union bus, to do these yeah. captive audiences mm. and then and if they broke down that up to individuals like how many employees i think it was like a little, a little over 200 employees yeah i think we were all got like maybe 25 three <laughs> three thousand dollars each right like they didn't even make any attempt to like you know just you know try to buy us out you know what i mean like instead of doing that you know because i thought that was gonna happen i was really a lot of us were writing on us like yeah we're gonna get we're gonna get a check but like they probably knew we're gonna be union at that point it's not by blackstone's hurting for money Correct. Oh, no. no I, I, I Google them and I go, well, you know, they own yeah. residential real. And I'm like, what don't they own? They yeah. own everything. They and own, I mean, they own just, some pension funds. I mean, and this even, is how they do it. They just siphon the yep. the value from you. And and not only that, but just, just from Encore mm-hmm. as a company, you know, as a downtime one day, I'm looking at, you know, what we charge for gear and stuff. And, like, even now our hourly rage is not what it should be. You know, we have people making like $17 an hour when fast food mm-hmm. workers in two months are going to be getting $20 an hour. And we have people who are going to be making less than fast food workers. Oh, shout out to the fast food union. Yes. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like speaking of that. So now we're, we're here now. We're here now. We've had the contract for two years. Uh, when does the contract expire? I think it's a year from Sunday, the 18th of February. So, so February. Um, next year. Next year. 25. 2025. Yes. And uh, how, how is the vibe going out there in the field? Like, is people <laughs> amped up or people ready to take it on? Because it's going to be a fight. It's, Rudy, you know that the first contract was like pulling teeth. The first contract for any union, for any industry, it's always the hardest mm-hmm. to get because you argue over the stupidest little things like uh, what does a full-time mean? What does part-time mean? You argue over language over that. Mm-hmm. So now that we got that out of the way, now it's time to actually fight for something better. Uh, but what's the vibe out there in the field? I would say it's kind of mixed. I've got people that are like, let's do it, ready to go, like we'll strike if we need to, like, we want to get what we're due. Like we're talking about what we want the language to be, how we want our terms to be. Um, a lot of people are really excited. Like they're like, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's, let's do it. And some people are like, well, is anything going to be really different at all? Like, what's the point in all this, which I have to keep telling, you know, everybody <laughs> give us a year, you know, in a year we'll be able to get you most of what you want, you know, if not all of it, but like now's the time to start doing this so yeah. i mean i've got people that are ready and willing and i've got people who are like eh, i think i'm just going to quit I, I you know i talk to new members a lot and the contract is property you own it yes and it cannot be taken away from you without just cause and um i think like blackstone and other companies they don't want you to own anything they mm-hmm. don't want you to have anything they want to dictate uh, uh your wages your benefits and your working conditions yeah. so it's like, and know, even where you live, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they even where you property, live, they want homes. I didn't even think about that. You know, if I was they ta- had their way, we wouldn't even be full time employees with benefits. No. And no. It, I mean, if they had their way, we, you know, we would definitely not be making even what we're making now. Yeah. Um, and they can afford it. I was looking at some, oh, yeah. some just like pieces of gear, how much they charge. The company charges thirty seven hundred dollars per day for ninety inch monitor, and we've got people that are only making seventeen dollars an hour. 
I think they can afford a few extra dollars per hour for those kind of prices. It's amazing how much money they have when they want to get rid of a. Mm -hmm. They want to do union busting mm -hmm. or oh, yeah. they want to do this. Mm -hmm. All the money's out there. They need to hire it's these anti-union. But when it comes to taking care of their own employees. I well. think I think you bring up a good point, Chris, when you say that Blackstone or Encore or whatever, they don't want you to own anything and the contract is a piece of property. They don't mm -hmm. want you to own that. Mm -hmm. And I've always said in the beginning, the first time we organized is that it's not about the money. Because money they have mm -hmm. billions of, right, uh, Blackstone. They can afford anything. They can afford the overhire. Overhire, you all know our rates are better than for the in-house. So if they can afford our rates, they can afford the in-house. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I always say that it's always about the power, the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because if you don't have a union contract, if you're just an individual, you're at will, like Rudy said earlier, yep. you're at will. They can fire your ass for whatever they want to fire you for. But once you have a union contract and you're bounded together, now you, that's that's what gives you power is bounding together with your coworkers yeah. and fighting for wages, benefits, and working conditions. Sure, the first contract wasn't the greatest. We organized through a pandemic, won an election through a pandemic, negotiated most of the contract during the pandemic. The bit the most leverage, the best leverage that workers have is withholding labor. We can't withhold labor if there is no labor if we're shut down. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's the power. It's that's why they were fighting tooth and nail to even prevent you all from having a contract to begin with. They don't care what the rates were, is you guys having a contract to begin with. And that's mm -hmm. um, that leads me to another thought that I have a lot is when people say like, oh, our contract sucks, they're not even doing anything, like what do you know, they went through all this and, and you know, now we're paying our dues and, and all that. So I have to remind them like, you know, our dues are going to something, they're going for, you know, fighting for this, they're gonna go to, if we have to go on strike, they're going for paying for all these things to help us. And when you look at the contract, yes, it's not the best contract, but we can't negotiate better terms if we have no terms. So right. you have to take that into consideration is what I tell a lot of our people when they're looking at the contract. And I, you know, I encourage everybody who doesn't have access to see it, understand it, because that is our lifeline to working better. And yes, the terms aren't the best, but it's better than what we could have. You know, Seattle went for years without a contract. Mm. So yeah, it's not the best, but we can't negotiate off of nothing. So and that's what we have to keep yeah. in mind. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I tell, you know, I'm a union representative. I know Juan's an organizer, but, you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, if like you work somewhere and you don't have a contract, you don't have those property rights. One person walking into the office saying, hey, I need a raise. Well, Blackstone's going to be like, hey, you know, no. <laughs> but when 35,000 people walk in the office and say, give me a raise or we're going to walk outside. Now, that's a different conversation. And I think that's the power of a union. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Julian, uh, bringing you in a little bit. So you weren't here for the first organizing drive, right. but you're here now. You've yes. been here for, you said, almost two years since we uh, bounced back from the yeah. pandemic then. This is like the start of my th third year, I guess. Okay, cool. And how do you feel or for people that weren't part of the original drive? Because <laughs> I think most of the unit is not there from the original drive. Yeah, I think they're mostly gone. Uh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, I'm trying to br bring as much energy as I can to other properties when I visit them. Uh, I I try to talk to everybody, get some ideas for like what they would think would improve the contract, and I think that's opened up a lot of good conversations because a lot of people don't know what the union is doing for them or like that things can actually get better and that we do have a say in in what we're doing. You know, I, I always uh, tell the story. My, my daughter used to work at KFC, and she was working on the on, I think it was the 4th of July. I go, hey, what are you getting? She's all, nothing. I'm already, aren't you getting time and a half or something? What? She's all, no. She's all, no. Well, they're not union at KFC, okay? That's you know, crazy. you own, you know, when you have things in your contract, the company has to pay you, you know? And I always, you know, I probably going to talk a little too much here <laughs> but you know anytime i talk to new members you see my hair <laughs> but when i talk to new members i always tell them a story when i was a young dad i took my daughters to the zoo and we went to go see the the cheetah cage you know it's a big cage you know they have uh, trees in there and everything mm -hmm. but i'll never forget there was a golden retriever a dog inside that cage with the cheetah and it was barking at that cheetah going, rah, rah, rah. and the cheetah was all scared and i'm thinking to myself that cheetah could rip that dog's face off. That's all I was thinking. So I asked the zoo guy, I go, hey, what's going on? He's all, oh, uh, the cheetah thinks the dog is dominant. 
because a cheetah was born in captivity. So I always tell my, my new members, mm. remember who you are. You're part of the union. You're part of the labor movement. We don't cut side deals. We work together to get the best contracts possible. And that's what mm. it is, solidarity, sticking together. Yeah, and that's for people that, the thing is, not every union is perfect. Not every contract is perfect. But the only way we can make it better is by sticking together and, for, and fighting for something that we believe in. Mm-hmm. You see what's going on across the country, all these organizing drives, all these strikes that have been going on. UAW was like the most recent successful strike. That, those guys got like 30% pay increases and back pay and pension. Um, they stopped their pensions, like how much raises they're going to give their pensions. They got that back paid. And now they're getting all kinds of wins out of this last contract that they just negotiated last year. Mm-hmm. They only were able to do that because the workers got together and did something about it. They didn't get that from uh, GM or Ford just because they're good companies. They got mm-hmm. it because they fought for it. So for people that complain all the time, but they're not really involved, it's like, dude, get involved. That's how we win something. That's how they won. That's how we're going to win. Now, I can't tell you if we're going to win it, but that's the only chance we have. Mm-hmm. If you don't fight for nothing, then you're guaranteed not to win anything. That's just the way it goes. So I appreciate you all coming on and talking about Encore and being involved. Um, this year, definitely, we are ramping up Encore. We're putting our money where our mouth is. When we first signed the first deal, we, we said it. Like, hey, we need to continue to invest and reinvest in Encore because you all are, are our biggest unit in this union. So you guys mean a lot to us. You guys mean a lot to IATSE as a whole, not just here in San Diego, but there's a there's an effort nationwide to organize Encore. Well, I mean, after, after us in Philly... Um, right. The, the dominoes are starting to fall. There's other locations that are voting or have gotten contracts. Right. Seattle's finally gotten their own contract. Yep. But it's only going to grow from here. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the way to show, like, hey, even if you don't get the best contract, like, uh, was it Monterey? They just got a contract. It's, it's, it's similar to what we have. So if they see what we do when they renegotiate in three years or whatever the length of the term is for them, then they're going to see, like, hey, we can get better terms also. Mm-hmm. So it's... Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep going down the line and people are going to see what happens. And I think we're kind of in a unique position here in San Diego to kind of show that, you know, just once we go, we, it just keeps following. So we, we can show what we can do as a, as a local, but also as a, as an international. Right. And I tell people, it's not just about one union. It's about unite here it's about IOTC. it's about ufcw it's about the team service it's about the afl cio it's about everyone coming together because mm-hmm. you know that's what it's going on right now this this labor movement seven i think was it 88 percent of people born after 1995 support labor unions mm-hmm. it's it's very very high i mean mm-hmm. this is and as long as we remember who we are yeah I and mean, i mean growing up you know growing up i was born in the 80s so growing up primarily in the 90s because I don't remember much of the 80s because I was so little but like (laughs) growing up like unions were kind of like ooh, union equals bad like hearing people talk you know unions they just they just want the power and they want that but like like you said now now we're realizing that unions are to help people it's it's not just about political power it's about you know the power of people the power of workers and and I think people are finally starting to realize that um I agree. Post-pandemic, right? Rudy. And Rudy, yeah. And Rudy sat in those negotiating sessions with the bosses. So you tell us, you tell everybody who's trying to negotiate the wages up and who's trying to negotiate the wages <laughs> down. There, that's pl- yeah. it's that simple. It's not like we're trying. If anything, these corporations, and we talked about Monopoly, like how PSAV, Swank, and now Encore, how they just keep buying out companies smaller companies to monopolize the game and they don't monopolize the game to to better the wages and working conditions they monopolize it to bring wages down Mm -hmm. to be the walmart Mm -hmm. the mcdonald's of the industry but when we try to organize and we try to build union power is to bring wages up so that's why this unit is also so important to us is because if we continue to lift up all our contracts it's only going to better our other contracts Mm -hmm. at the old glow the playhouse the freeman contract our overhire contract, et cetera. So, so Rudy, what, 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 what do you feel? What is your role? What's going on in this one? Like, do you, since you're here, you're here for, you were here for both. You're here yeah. for the first organizing drive, and now you're being a part of the second organizing drive. Through a little bit different perspective, you're in the in the hall now. 
But what do you think is going on, or well, what are you excited for? Well, first, for? first we had to risk risk our jobs, right? We put a lot of it on the line, and you know, majority of our units not there anymore. That was pre-pandemic, but now post-pandemic, it's just like a bigger picture. It's a bigger scope. You know, do you see this more u- union? Um, this it's a growth of, of union support, and you know, because there is a corporate takeover. I think everyone realized, you know, like crap our, our jobs you know um you know might not always be there you know we, we're not secure you know people just have have gone through a lot you know collectively you know with all the other unions and it's just like this buzz and and you know so uh, i kind of got off topic there but i i was just like just putting it all in perspective you know i mean because there, there is a lot going on you know and we have to um Think outside the box, you know, doing stuff like what we're doing here with with Juan, doing everything we can, learning from our our our, our past like mistakes. What can we done better, right? One thing we had working against us was uh, the pandemic, right? We lost half of our workforce, you know, and and that meant half of our supporters that were all pro union, and we didn't have when we took our actions, we didn't have that support, right? We didn't have those the big you know picket lines or or leaflet or caravans, you know, things we were doing, there wasn't enough people there to show up. Now it's kind of like we, where jobs are protected, you know, they can't, you know, just terminate us for any reason. So we have that going for us. And then we have the numbers that are building up. And, uh, and what Encore doesn't realize is that the, the, the youngsters that they're hiring are pro-union. They come in like, oh, I can't wait to sign up. I can't wait mm-hmm. to meet you. You know what I mean? And, you know, so... You know, it's 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 working against them. You know, in, in the long run, instead until they get with us and negotiate better wages and and work on that retention, work on keeping the employees they have to and and everybody there to understand like, hey, this is our own, this is ours to own it, right? Like property, mm-hmm. like this is our. We got to make sure we we take care of the upkeep where we're getting together, and and um, you know, because we we need to make those big changes, right? And it takes everybody to get together and do it. I feel like we've made a lot of growth in this past year, you know, with our steward system and with just people that are just getting in and, and educating themselves. Because if you've never been a part of a union, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. know what what it is. So getting to your field rep, coming to the our meetings, uh, getting to know our stewards, and then for us to, now it's time to hold each other accountable. It's kind of like, hey, you know, I'm a steward, but we need more stewards. You know what I mean? We got to we got to build it ourselves because this fight, it just isn't with 122. It's it's become an international fight. Right. And and we're on the we're ground zero. Right. We're ground zero in this battle. Everyone else is watching us do it. What is 122 going to do? Right. What are we going to do? Because if they can take us out, you know, if they can cut the head off the snake, then they've won the battle right there because there is actively a campaign that Encore is putting together, you know, globally to combat unionism, right? And because there's such an uprising, right? It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I had talked to somebody who was working for another company as, as freelance, um, and he's with, with Encore in the Orlando area. And I was telling him about our union and how we're renegotiating all this stuff. And they're not union in Florida. And what they put together recently is something like what we have in our contract is the uh, we have a quarterly... Uh, labor management committee and we go we talk to the the regional leadership and and we have these this back and forth and they started doing that in florida as sort of a way of like see we want to talk to you and get your perspective so Mm. things that we've done have already corporate wise that they're trying to do to combat that sort of thing is is things like that like oh let's have a a quarterly meeting with our employees and and things like that so like he's saying they're they are actively trying to i don't want to say bust but suppress that sort of thing like see we're we care well get ahead of it get yeah ahead of it yeah no well, yeah i think it's not just encore believe me it's every corporation out there they're seeing the wave across the country across trades that everybody's organ like a starbucks amazon they're all organizing mm-hmm. now they, starbucks amazon haven't gotten their first contract yet because like i said getting the first contract is the hardest thing period but once you get the first one in it's the foot in the door and then you start really going at it because now you're extreme. You're protected. Doing this now, you're out in the public, or you're ahead of the contract negotiations. 
you're protected. They can't do anything to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we're organizing the first time around, you know, you'd think twice. of like, well, do I really want to stick my neck out there? We're not even protected. So, but like you said, it, it is an international fight. It is a national fight. And this affects our international as a whole. It affects Encore as a whole, but it also affects every other industry. It affects USCW, the grocery workers, the Teamsters, the UPS, the Amazons, because when we start winning, then other people, other places want to start seeing that too happen in their workplaces. They're like, oh, they were able to go on strike and they were successful. Why can't we do that? And that's where they want to cut the head off. Yeah, right always, there. Yeah. I always say in the labor movement, we're a pride alliance and the pride will eat. But how much is ultimately up to us? You got to go hunting. And it's, it's funny to say about, you know, KFC workers, how they weren't. <laughs> uh, Speaking of food, KFC. Well, no, because uh, I, I used to work at, at Home Depot back in the day. Oh, and um, like you're saying, like, oh, we're not union, so we don't get things like, like holiday pay. Home Depot actually was pretty good towards their employees in that sort of way. Like, I, I made, you know, pretty good money for just being someone pushing shopping carts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was holiday pay. If you were if you were part time, then you would get if you worked basically time and a half, you get paid a half a day whether you worked or not. That's good. Um, you know, if you were full-time, you got paid a full day, whether you worked or not. So they were actually more willing to work with their employees and, and show them the value of people. And, you know, they paid well. They got pretty good. You know, our breaks were, if we didn't take our break, we got in trouble. So, like, there was never any of, like, the missing our meal break or any of that sort of thing. Like, they were very big on making sure you got what you were owed as an employee. Time off, you know, all that sort of stuff was never a question. Even things like jury duty. If you got called up for jury duty, you know, I think Encore, maybe they pay you for two or three days. If you get picked, Home Depot, as an employer, they'll pay you for whatever trial you're on for the duration. So if you're on a six-month murder trial, you're getting paid your your hourly rate, daily weight, rate until you're back to work. So they're really good about taking care of their employees, which is probably why companies like Home Depot, you know, you don't hear about them wanting to go union because – they're a company that actually values their employees. And you see what happens when you have value of employees, you know. Um, While we're making the Home Depot look pretty good. How long ago Um, was that? Because I worked for them pretty recently. This this was in 2004. Well, you know, and and like I said, you know, things, you you said you used to work for them. You know, companies, you know, they have the right to dictate the terms. So Mm -hmm. Home Depot in 2004, you know, you know, can change everything. And when you used to work there and the, the thing is, it's like, it, it just changes the company. Just, they have that control. Mm-hmm. You have, mm-hmm. you have those rights, I think. And I don't know, but there is a, a organizing campaign called home depots United uh, mm-hmm. on, uh, yeah. and they're, they're actively trying to organize. Right. Um, going back to the corporation, um, Sarah Nelson, we had her on. Shout out. Shout Sarah out, Nelson. Sarah Nelson. Um, she said the the best organizers are the company themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So Encore was the best organizer. Yep. Honestly, when I got hired here at, at 122 to help organize with Encore, I was just connecting dots. You guys, like you said, we're already laying out the groundwork from the beginning. As soon as I started meeting you guys one by one, people were already like, yeah, this is fuck. Like, we're already talking <laughs> about it. Because you guys were already talking to each other and talking to the guys from the hall. So that's because the corporation wasn't that great to its employees. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you say that because I had always thought about, you know, how do we organize? I didn't have any idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, when Rudy and, and company came in and it's like, cool, someone already did the work for me. I got it figured <laughs> out. So, yeah. I mean, there you go. Most people don't know that they can organize. Yeah. That's just what it is. Like, they don't teach us in high school. Hey, this is how you oh, organize a company, by the way. <laughs> no, there's a reason why Amazon, Jeff Bezos, they invest in school boards. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, they dictate the education, the books and the textbooks and whatnot, what kids learn. So, of course, they're going to not learn about organizing and the labor movement. Uh, that's that's, that's yeah, their... the, the only labor movement you really learn about is in, you know, the 1920s and the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, books like The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, things oh, yeah. like that. So mm-hmm. there really wasn't a whole lot. I mean, I'm remembering eighth grade here, but, yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot in terms of, like, here's what it's like to be in a union. It was just like, oh, yeah, unions happen. Yeah, exactly. It's suppression. It's suppression just like, you know, like the news, like, you know, yeah. the, the farmers in, in Europe right now, you know, coming together to to make a change i'm just using that as an example because they suppress this information right because they they don't want this to happen well yeah i mean i mean 
th that they don't want us to realize our power. Yeah, that's exactly. how it works. I mean, last year when freaking the railroad worker, or two years ago at this point, a year and a half, when they were about to go on strike, um, we had the, like the media kind of painting it as, mm. oh, you're gonna get your presence late. And then, like that's the framing, the narrative that they were mm -hmm. they were holding because these uh, railway workers they had a lot of power. They do. They have a, because everything that gets all our goods are transported on these trains. Mm -hmm. And then even my girlfriend was saying things like that. And she's in labor. She's a union teacher, and she was saying that. And and I'm her boyfriend, and so I'm doing a bad job at home. But still, <laughs> like, like, but if, but if they got people believing that and saying those type of things. Imagine it's all by design. It's not an accident. So it's our job to educate ourselves. Yep. It's our job to get organized and fight for something. It's not the job of the corporation to do it for us. Mm -mm. How how do you go about organizing and like doing that first uh, organizing push? What's like, I know I know there's like something to do with cards like you got to sign cards. Yeah, yeah, so there's a process to organizing and it depends what industry you're in. If you're okay. private, if you're public, yeah, those are two different let's just say rules that you have to go by. Mm -hmm. Here in the private sector, you just collect cards. You have to collect 30% of the units uh, to sign cards. So if the unit is 100 people, then you have to collect 30 cards. Those 30 cards can initiate a union election. You turn those 30 cards into the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, the governing body that handles labor, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you turn it into them, and then they get in contact with management, and then we go back and forth with the union and, and management and the NLRB. And then we eventually come to a decision on the union election. But they get an option during that time frame to, uh, to stay kind of neutral. Um, most of them don't. As, mm -hmm. as you pointed out, they do union busting. They try to prevent the organizing from happening to begin with. They try to persuade a no vote. Mm -hmm. uh, but to win a union election, you have to get 50% plus one. So out of 100, you have to get 51 people to vote yes to pass, if, if not the other way around. And how well did that no vote go for us again? Was it like 75, 80 percent, something like that? Uh, the yes vote yes. was like almost 75%. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Even after three months... It was Plus it was it was a lot of union busting. Of union busting from March, April, May, June. Sorry, training. Four <laughs> trainings, yeah. Four months of union busting, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars later. Uh, but yeah, but that's why because because you guys were already in cahoots. Yeah. You guys were so passionate about organizing or, or wanting some change. Um, and now we're here. Now the talk is okay, let's get the rest of it into the contract. Let's yep. let's get together. Let's organize. Let's fight for something mm -hmm. because the rest of the country is already doing it. You guys are already protected. We have things that we didn't have the first time around. Labor. Mm -hmm. We have work. <laughs> now we have work. Mm -hmm. We have this coalition. We have this podcast. Uh, now everybody's gonna see it. So subscribe. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Like any subscribe. last thoughts? Uh, that's pretty much it. We're, we're on, on YouTube. Ring the bell. <laughs> Smash that like button. There you go. But any other things that you guys would want to share or talk about? Uh, we usually go for about an hour with these little podcast episodes. You're kind of putting me on the spot here now. Putting you on the spot, yeah. Jordan. I'm not sure what I want to talk about. You can find me on Twitch. <laughs> there you go. What's your handle? Uh, the Raccoon DJ. I'm not. I'm not really on social media. <laughs> you are now. I am. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you can find him on this podcast now. right here. Now, I think this is a good episode to educate, you know, people about who Encore are, what, what we do, you know, in, the, in our line of work, you know, what we've been through, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, understanding what, what it is first, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then getting the crew and everybody else that doesn't know, that kind of knows, but to get involved, mm -hmm. right? You know, and this goes out to you, to you out there, you know, all stagehands you know, get to know each other, you know, talk, communicate about what, what kind of working conditions need to be improved. How can we make this happen? You know, and you asked a good question about organizing, you know, that's, that's how it happens. That, that's all I got. That's no, awesome. but definitely, I think that's what it's about. It's about us coming together to fight for something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The tax, you guys are a family. You guys are a unit. You're the, you're the biggest unit for our union. We're all brothers and sisters, we say. So now let's act like it. My job is to help you all have the best contract possible. That's it. But it's your job to fight for it. So, yeah, we're going to be here for you all. We're going to continue doing these, like, episodes of Encore. So if you think of other things, we'll talk about it. This is a, an ongoing fight. It's not going to go away anytime soon. Yep. 
unless they all of a sudden come up with a cool contract um, when we start negotiating. Well, I, I, I don't see them even coming with anything that's, I mean, just just from our negotiation committees, or not a negotiation, our... our um, NMCs. Yeah. You know, we come with, with lists of topics, right? Of here's here's all the problems we're having. We've already got a good list going for this one coming up in March. They've only brought one topic once, and that was Article 19, which is union uh, access. Uh, thank you. Basically, like, oh, you're coming in and talking to our employees. So we're union already. So, so what? That was the only thing they've ever complained mm-hmm. about. Everything else is, we bring all the topics and they sit on defense. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So. That's what we got to do. We just got to keep fighting for something. You all are doing the right thing by being involved, sticking your necks out. This takes a lot of courage. It does. Uh, most people can't do this, but you guys are doing it. So somebody has to do it, though. Otherwise, mm. then what? Well, I mean, I, I, I get... encourage everybody just to at least say something, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even if it's not in this sort of format, but, you know, get out and talk to people. Right, right, right. That's you the know. only way you're going to win. And, and anytime we have people coming to our location... Um, you know, I'm always like, if I haven't met them before, like, hey, what location are you from? Who's your steward? How's it going over there with management? Have you gotten a copy of the contract? I've, I've printed contracts out for, you know, at least a half a dozen people who oh, awesome. their, man- their managers won't even show it to them. And, mm. you know, that's that's wrong. Right. There, and that's awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Any last words? Uh, a rising tide should lift all ships. There you go. I think Sarah Nelson said that also. On one of our oh, podcasts. Are you Sarah Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> I might be. <laughs> you got you. Sick. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that was another episode of Union or Bust. Um, smash that like button, share. Um, we need Patreons, actually. Yeah, yeah. actually. Uh, so you, we're broke. <laughs> you can actually go uh, on your Union Brother. If you go to Instagram, on my bio, just click uh, become a supporter of Union or Bust. Or just go to patreon.com backslash union or bus podcast and become a subscriber. Five bucks. Just give us five bucks a month. That's all we ask for. All right. Cool. All right, guys.